and I like the kid, but he's a fucking asshole. Recorded live from the <laughs> of radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus, Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it, it on. on. Before the show started, we were just talking about the greatest martial artist of all time. Oh, Joe, my God, uh, what are you talking Steven about? Steven Seagal, he's a legend. Oh, Remember the God. podcast where we talked about legends? Why didn't we talk about him for like an hour? I'm going to kill you. Steven Seagal is the biggest load of bull shit, shit in the world. Now, also, also, this is actually apropos because actually Vladimir Putin just hired Steven Seagal to be his goodwill ambassador to the United States. Because I don't know if you guys know, but Steven Seagal is now a Russian citizen. Yes. For yes, tax he, evasion. Yes, he is. Wow. Yes, and, he is. Uh, and he gets special treatment. He, actually, there's a video of him at, a, at a, a seminar with like, you know, 500 Sambo students or something doing his <laughs> craziness and whatever. People anyway, live in Jilson. like a disillusioned world, yeah. like Wonderland, La La Land. So, Jilson, you had an encounter with Steven Seagal's student in Brazil. Yes. Tell us about it. Great way to start the show. No, 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 just like (laughs) very very quickly, okay? I I had, uh, I was part of many commercials uh, in Brazil. I shot commercial. I was part of of, uh, extras in some, like, uh, soap opera shows in Brazil. I I never knew that about you. Can we get you on YouTube? You know, Are you Professor on Ken, who's on it too, no. you know, he's all famous. He's in, he was in movies too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we had we had yeah. our time. So in one of the uh, on the one of the commercials, the the main guy, the single guy, what was his name? I don't fucking know. Oh, <laughs> Shit, I'm Steven. fucking my eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I don't know. And the guy's like, oh, I trained with uh, Steve Seagal. And I said, who gives a fuck because he's a piece of shit? <laughs> and he said, no, but, you know, I trained with him. I said, okay, so if I punch you, you'll be able to block it. And he said, yeah, of course I'll be able to block it. I said, okay, so are you ready? And he said, yes. And then I went to fucking punch his face. And then right on the nose because I wanted him to bleed. And he bled. <laughs> and then the fucking blood just ran down. And it's like, fuck, dude. Dude, you said that you would be able to block it because you trained with Chiefs to go. But you just sucked as much as fucking Steve Seagal. <laughs> and I was worried because I thought it was a be fired because I was one of the extras and he was the main guy shooting the commercial. But then he just wiped out the shit and said, look, oh, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> and then and we just moved forward Do you know w- the s- w- with the commercial. That's crazy. That's crazy. Do you bullshit. know the story about Steven Scott and Jean LaBelle? I don't know much about Steven Scott. Okay, so, so let me tell this story. Um, Steven's got, Gene LaBelle is one of the toughest guys uh, uh, in the American martial arts scene. Yes. He had the first televised um, mixed martial art fight in, in American history. It mm-hmm. was against Milo Savage in the, the late 50s, early 60s. And um, American, I mean the U.S. America. Um, and um, uh, actually, Milo Savage actually was wearing, uh, underneath his gloves, he had, had uh, uh, brass knuckles. And he still, he still managed to win the fight. And he's, we're, we, his nom, nom, moniker is the world's toughest guy because he actually wrestled with Bear, too. So Steve, Gene LaBelle is no joke. He's an incredible... Uh, martial artist, he's uh, Bruce Lee's grappling teacher, and also an incredibly humble guy. So he's on set. He's very fun. I know. Yeah, very funny guy. Totally very fun. For talks guy. like this, very you know. Funny guy, yeah. yeah, and then he has this interview, and, and Joe Rogan had him uh, talking talking about it too. But but basically, um, uh, he was on set because he made his living as a stuntman. And Stephen Scal said, "Oh, you'll never be able to uh, choke me out." And Gene LaBelle, who's in his seventies. Was like, no, you know, I don't think so, Steve. You know, I, this actually works. Like, no, I'll just do this and this, this, right? And so, um, Jean LaBelle, uh, 
put a choke on him, and then he choked him out. And and, and as I understand it, he you know Steve's goes, no, I was ready. And then <laughs> he's like, let me do it again. And uh, he does it again, and he tries to hit um, Gene LaBelle in the in the Johnson, as, uh, as 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 Gene LaBelle puts it. And uh, and then so he poke, chokes him out and makes uh, Steven Seagal defecate and urinate himself. Mm. And he's so embarrassed that he actually uh, forced Gene LaBelle to kind of not disclose the story. So Gene LaBelle doesn't even talk about it. And on threat of getting him blacklisted in Hollywood, wow. and Gene LaBelle is no—I mean, uh, uh, Gene LaBelle is notorious for being a great person, never being uh, you know arrogant or anything. But but he he has nothing but good things to say about people. But when you ask him that story, he doesn't say anything good. He just keeps quiet. You know, yes, like, I second. Yeah. Just to be clear, I second you, my Jules Oliver. I second that what uh, Rene is saying because I know the same story. Okay, uh, what uh, LaBelle did. He choked him out. He fucking shitted on his pants because he's a shit piece of shit. Right. That's what he's and like. he's a wife abuser. He beat his wife too. He's just a terrible human which being. Which was a, and a great, which was a unbelievably hot. Big, big, back in the days, like the, you know, oh, well, what's the, the name of his wife? Um, Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, yes. Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, she was, you know? she was cute. No, no, no. She was gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> she's gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Yeah, which, she loved. I remember her from um, this the movie with Val Kilmer. Um, Weird science. That was her. I think so. Right? No, no, no. Well, that, that's her. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her. Right, right. She's yeah. absolutely. Go- uh, that, listen, <laughs> context matters, right? <laughs> At the time, she was basically one the hottest in the eighties. She was the hottest woman at the time. Kelly LeBrock was the woman. I right? see you're a Kelly LeBrock fan. <laughs> no, she's gorgeous. No, she's gorgeous. And, and the science is like, this why you don't like Steven Seagal? You're jealous. You're je- <laughs> no, because he's a fat piece of shit. Yeah, uh, and true, he right. thinks that he can fight, and he can't. And yeah, all, no, he, he can't, all, can't. all his money is to spend on hair products to make his hair black, yeah. right? And he's, not go away. You know, 70 oh, years boy. old and is wearing just wig and black shit. He's oh, a piece of shit. Steven's I don't man. like it. Well, we can shit on Steven Seagal all day, but I want to shit on the Gracies. Well, let's get back <laughs> into that. So yeah, part we have, two. Yeah, part two. Jilson's now, back. Jilson is back, and and I want to say uh, I we got a I got a lot of response from last week's um, episode of, of uh, um, Muay Thai the Muay Thai Jiu Jitsu rivalry. A lot of my friends um, messaged me, and it was really really uh, they were very interested in that history. And so we have Jilson back um, to talk about, and Jilson has practiced not only Muay Thai but you also practiced Luta Libre, and is very close with um, Eugenio Tadio and a lot of people who are who are in the Luta Libre world. And for those guys who don't know, Luta Libre was a, a art that has um, a, a parallel history to Jiu Jitsu, and very very um, much more like a nogi freestyle fighting system, more heavily oriented towards grappling. Influenced by Greco-Roman wrestling, a little bit of professional wrestling, and the Luta Livre in Brazil. Influenced by catch wrestling. Catch wrestling, right. Yeah, professional wrestling. There was no no gi. Has never been gi Yes, right, right, right. Right, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So pro wrestling, when it used to be real, was was known as catch wrestling. So anyway, I'll let Jilson take the floor because obviously he has a lot to say. But uh, now you're going to talk about the the history of the rivalry between Luta Livre and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is very, very fierce and... uh, and um, there's some some major battles, Hickson versus Zulu, um, the many many uh, battles. Yeah, but the thing, the battle between uh, Hickson and Zulu, Zulu is one of Luta Libre guy. Zulu, he's not. He never had he never had a, a a flag, a banner. He was just like a fighter. Fighter. Okay. He didn't okay. he didn't represent yeah, the so Luta Libre. Never re- right, he, no, he never re- represented. So if you want to talk about Luta Libre in real, 
Then first, for starters, you have to go all the way back to 1930s, 1940, when Euclidus Hatem, which is we call Mastery Tattoo, which is Master Armadillo, because he's short and like really built and bulky and, and stocky wish, kind of I a wish, guy. I wish my nickname were Armadillo. Yeah, yeah. No. instead of a ratão, right? <laughs> <laughs> instead of a rat. rat right? yeah. <laughs> so we go back because everybody. People, we all know because this is history, right? He he fought George Grace and he won, and he fought several other Grace guys and he won because during uh, uh, during the 30s and the 40s, Euclid Hatem he was the guy in Brazil. He was the guy in Brazil. So it doesn't matter. If can come can from... I interrupt for one second? Yes, sir. So some people may not be familiar with George Gracie. So we're familiar with Carlos. And Elio, but they're two other brothers, George and Osvaldo. Uh, George older was, brothers. Yeah, older brothers, right. And George was actually um, excommunicated from, or I don't know how to say it. But he was he was not part of uh, Carlos and Elio's group, and he was he was disassociated um, f- because they had the family had a very strong disagreement, and uh, he left the family proper. So that's so, uh, George. Yeah, but like, he was considered he was considered a very very uh, good Gracie fighter. Uh, but they kind of wiped his history away a little bit because um, he was also known as a little bit of a party boy and some other things. And they, as I understand it, Carlos and Elio had severe, particularly Carlos had severe um, disagreement with him. Okay. That, that's just to inter, in, yeah, interject that. Okay. So if, when we start talking about jiu-jitsu and luta livre, we have to go back first to 1930s, 1940s, where luta livre, where Euclidus Hatem, master tattoo, was the dominant guy at that time. Two decades, no one could ever touch the guy. And he won over George Gracie. And then he won over all the greats. But he has always been the guy. In the 1950s, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Grandmaster Elio Gracie challenged him to a fight. And he said, and he declined. And then some jiu-jitsu guy is going to get some shit, say, like, yeah, he didn't want to fight. No, no, no. It's because... They wanted him to wear a gi. I'm a catch wrestler. I don't fight with wearing fucking gi. So you want me to wear a gi so you can take advantage of it because I'm not used to fighting like this. Mm-hmm. So that's and he said, fuck no, I'm not going to fight. But when it came to George Gracie, everybody knows he won by, by Americana. That's why he won. And he won. He said, but back in the, th- the 30s and the 40s, Euclid Hatem, Master Tattoo, he was the dominant fighter in Brazil. And from, if you study the, the history of Luta Livre, which people, what people don't do, right? Especially in the United States, they only think about Jiu-Jitsu. If the, you understand why, where the Luta Livre name came from, and you something that uh, Renes said today, that in 1940s, Luta Livre kind of turned into three parts. And those three groups were actually related to one group was the real fighters mm-hmm. let's say master uh master tattoo there was a group that was a choreographed fight yeah became which became eventually pro- right. fake pro wrestling yeah. which is like wwe yeah, shit yeah. right <laughs> right and and so and there was another one that was even like at the same similar to the wwe so like everything was uh, fake. So yeah. there's one that was extremely fake. Ones were choreographed, and the ones and so that the real fighters they kind of distanced himself, themselves from 
those two other uh, areas, lineages, if you will, because they're one of them. So that became, it's kind of a, became kind of a culture for some people that that's the way how jiu-jitsu fighters at that time, they leverage it. They say, you know what? Luta Liv is not really real. Luta Liv is not really good. Luta Liv is not really a, a, a discipline because they left what happened in 1940s right. when they broke into those three guys. Three, also, three, three categories. Can I, can I interrupt and say something interesting? Because actually the same division, I was not aware of that, that it was so strong in Brazil, but the same thing happened in Japan and here in, 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 in uh, well, America, England. Um, catch wrestling or original pro wrestling was yes. completely real. Then there was two other distinctions, and those distinctions stayed in Japan up until uh, the 90s. And so there's real fighting, shoots. Then there's fake choreograph a work and then there's also what's known in japan as a hard style pro wrestling where you actually exchange real techniques in a non-choreographed manner but at the end of the day it's sort of like i know i'm going to put you in a chokehold if you can't you have to let me and if you can't get out i'm the winner but if you can get out we keep going so it's like somewhat choreographed, but real as well. So they, in Japan, they call it hard style pro wrestling. It's like a hybrid of reality and fakeness. For the listeners who understand what Rings is, Rings was the last organization of hard pro wrestling in Japan and UWF as well, um, where they kind of like semi-real but semi-fake. And um, it's kind of interesting. It still kind of exists in Japan. Uh, it's weird. It's sometimes you watch hard pro wrestling and it looks ex- like real. You're like, that's not fake, except it is fake. So there, it's like these three this, styles. This, very this interesting. Is exactly. This yes. exactly. I, mean, I can tell you for sure. This mm-hmm. exactly what happened in 1940s. That's exactly three different categories. So when we have the the pro luta livre, if you will, like pro wrestling, mm-hmm. they were real, but also there were a lot of arranged fights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, it's like boxing today. You know, you, you don't know what's going behind the scene. Who need to to drop? Who need to lose at the fight? Mm-hmm. Right, and there were. The completely WWE fucking bullshit yeah. that we still have today, and there and there was a group that was like, no, I'm here to fight, and whatever the result is, the result is. So there was a three types of luta luta livre in Brazil, 1940s guys. So let's be put into the shit into context. Like I'm talking about 1940s. There were those three different type of uh, lineages and categories in Brazil when it came to Luta Livre. But Luta Livre, based on the 20s, 30s, and 40s, had always been the dominant force in Brazil since the, the, the beginning of 1905. Luta Livre, term, Luta Livre, as it's written, as we know, you can trace back to 1909. 1909. There's no fucking grace to be talking about 1909. Luta Livre, name Luta Livre, has been around, uh, recorded, in, written mm-hmm. on articles, newspapers, in, since from 1909. And yeah, yeah, and that's actually interesting because um, I don't think Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or any fighting style could exist without the Luta Livre framework. And we talked about this in the prize fighting world. The, the catch wrestling world allowed the Gracies to experiment and Maida before that to experiment their techniques against other people. That that structure existed. If it didn't exist, then they wouldn't be able to fight. So, you know, it's, the structure, a, very, it's, yeah. it's a very common uh, knowledge for those who want to learn the truth. Okay. Mm. Because 
what happens with many jujitsu practitioners is they want to keep the the legend alive and and which means they keep the lie alive which is something that never happened if they want to know the truth they will know that back in the day in the 20s and 30s grace family i'm talking about george example right george grace i just like an example all that family they were training with uh osvaldo almeida da silva which is a master dudu master dudu as he was known at the time he's a catcher wrestler and they, he was the teacher of the graces in catcher wrestling you understand so this is is a history if you want to accept or not that's that's your problem but that's the history if you want to keep alive that there was no influence of Brazilian jiu-jitsu development at some point in the, the 30s and 40s and, and 50s with Grandmaster Ali Grace, that's your choice. But this is history. He, the whole family, Grace family, was training catch wrestling in the 30s and the 40s. We all know that. Mm. <laughs> they, they were training. <laughs> that's an issue. We have to have someone. I'm not qualified to say yes or no. I am. So yeah, I'm yeah, saying right, yes. Yeah, right, right. And then go to, to, to yeah. research and yeah. you're going to find it. But the yeah. thing is, like, if you go to websites like uh, 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 yeah. BJJ Heroes, BJJ Heroes is the, the, the shittest place for you to go if you want to know the truth about the, even Brazilian Jiu Jitsu history. They lie. I call them BJJ Fox News. Because they are liars, straight up liars. They just lie and they hide any piece of information that may tarnish or taint the jujitsu, and especially the Grace family type of a of a, of a feedback uh, type of a history. They 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 are the shittest place, the worst place for you to go to know about the history of BJJ. And I don't, I'm going to give an simple example. Everybody knows that when, and I'm going to talk about this today, when, when the, the Luta Livre guys went to Grace Humaita, everybody knows that Hugo Duarte fought against Hickson Gracie. And oh, Hickson? Hickson. Oh, Hickson, right, right. Yeah. And everybody knows that uh, Eugenio Tadeu fought against uh, Hoyle. Everybody right. knows. Yeah. If you go to the website, the BJJ Heroes bullshit, they hid history. He said they say never happened because the Luta Livre thugs started shooting up and then that's why Hickson went go went back to them to get a rematch and then they showed the video that happened yeah, one week actually, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it. like so but my, I'm just gonna be clear how shitty they are. They hide history always to protect jujitsu. You understand? So the, 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 I'm going to say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because they say they call themselves BJJ. So they are the, the worst. They are Fox News. That's all. Like they are BJJ Fox News. They hide, they lie, and they hide the history. Anything that may tarnish anything related to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they hide. And and then I, I hate them. I, I keep reading the shit <laughs> just to know the shit that they talk, right? It's part of the, the knowing what your enemy is talking. But it's the worst place for you if you want to know the truth of 80s, 70s, or 90s in terms of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This is the worst place for you to know the truth. Mm. They were a bunch of pieces of shit. And I want to be honest uh, and fair, not honest, fair, that there might be some authors, some uh, authors there, some researchers, they want to 
go for the truth, like Fox News, but there is an agenda. And the agenda is anything that may tarnish our reputation, you just change, you reframe the conversation, and you call them thugs, you call them uh, uh, a stereotypical regional gangster, you call them fucking black and poor, and then, and then and then you read this through the research, and then I really dislike them very much because it's it, they suck. It's Fox News for BJJ. Is there a resource that you recommend that people go to instead? Listen, when it comes to listen, uh, I'm yeah, I, I have one. There's there's a really good author, um, and it's uh, uh, Jiu-Jitsu in Zona Soul is a book, um, and he also has um, Choke, and it's C H O K E. And this guy has a very, very um, – I think, Jilson, you should give it a rate. It's mostly in Portuguese, but they, had, they just came out with an English translation. But very, very even portrayal makes the Gracies look, I mean, human. Um, uh, let me let me look up uh, his name. I don't, ha- I don't have yeah. a problem. Yeah. But no, no. But I, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's I don't an have a problem. honest or I don't, I don't have I don't have issues with uh, – uh, jiu-jitsu, luta yeah. libre. I read everything because I've been in yeah. both worlds all my life. Yeah. What my what I may, what my problem is when you know that something happened, when I know that something happened, the history, and still you keep the lie. Yeah, yeah. Mayu, it was at uh, the, the invasion of Mai Tai. We all know that they fought and Hoyler lost, but because they don't want to say the Hoyler Grace lost to a Janet Adeo, a Luta Livre guy, they mention, they say on the website that the fight never happened. That is my problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let me just go the the, it's Choke, C-H- O-Q-U-E, and it's by Roberto Pedrera. And he has a few, a number of books, but it's a really, really uh, honest, um, uh, in-depth resource on the history and, and definitely not pro-Gracie or anti-Gracie, but a real honest uh, 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 historical reference. Yeah, and he's, right. he's very, he, the thing is he cites his sources very, very diligently. Very diligent. The same thing with the book we said, um, uh, which was um, uh, fighting off your back. The book we discovered, we mm-hmm. discussed a few podcasts ago. The thing is, when you talk about history, is you have to cite your sources. And uh, those two books, I think, you can say, look, this is the source. This is the source. This is the source. You can really back what what, what you say with actual articles yeah. or whatever. The, the, the thing, yeah. the thing, when it comes to and uh, and I say this kindly in a way because. Most of my best friends in Brazil, they're all jiu-jitsu practitioners. They're all yeah. black belt or brown belt. They're all jiu-jitsu practitioners, right? The, the closest friends, they are jiu-jitsu practitioners. The thing is, like, jiu-jitsu practitioners in general, they have, they live in this, like, wonderland of jiu-jitsu still. And then every time that you say, and also that, that is another thing, which, like, the metaphor that I use, like, the Grace family is a, is a tree, okay? There is the tree, and there are the branches, and the, off the branch, there are ramifications. There's other branches. And off this branch, there are different branches. So sometimes you say, like, Gracie, and someone in the Grace family, like, feel hurt because you're saying the name. Dude, there are 100 people. With more, the, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, with the last name. With, with the so last many. name. Yeah. So there are people today in the Grace family that can't fight for shit. But still have the Grace family. But if you say that, no, this guy suck. Oh, you're talking shit about a Grace family. No, no, no. He can fight for fucking shit. And that's the truth. Yeah. All right. So so understand this, that when it comes to to a context of the, the first, the, the Grace family, understand that Grace family is a tree. 
and there are branches and there are ramifications from the branches. And there are people that I may mention uh, in the podcast based on my history in, in the 80s and the 90s and my experience because I lived that in Rio de Janeiro, in Copacabana, Rio de Janeiro, is that I'm not talking shit about Grace family. I'm talking maybe some, maybe observations about a specific person. What I know and yeah. and also about one particular person yeah. because if you take as an example Master Hickson Gracie, he's 60 year old this year. He's 60. The 60 year old Hickson Grace is not the fucking 20 year old Hickson Gracie. Yeah, that's true too. We all change. And then you go like, "No, you're talking shit about Hickson Grace, the master Samurai, no motherfucker. When he was a twenty year old, he was like me. When I was twenty year old, we did shit. We did a lot of fuck shit. I know what I've done as 18, 19, 20. I know, and I can share with you. And he was just like the same. But you hold this sixty year old samurai codes, bushy door thing, that it was not who he was at the time. Fucking period. If you want to accept, up to you. If you want, I don't give a fuck. That's the truth. End of story. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I, I think you're, you, you know, it's also it goes back to we want to create legends and we want people to be perfect. Uh, nobody's perfect, but anyway, let's go into the history of the the Luta Livre Jiu Jitsu um, uh, feud in the eighties. Starting in the together. let's jump jump uh, jump into the feud that started in the eighties. So we got we talked a little about the history, and then Luta Livre always had a had a, a parallel growth with jujitsu and then w- how did the feud start in the 80s as far as you know okay when it comes okay so when it comes to the 80s all right so as i said before in the beginning of the podcast this goes back to the 20s 30s and 40s mm. all right that starts there yeah Euclid Hatem, he was the fucking shit and he was a luther Livre guy and he's known as the founder of luther Livre in, in brazil overall okay and that's it and he won over Gracie, and he, and every and, and the guys at that time in the thirties, they were twenty thirties, they were training with catch wrestlers. They deny, they don't want to acknowledge this. Up to them, but that's the truth. They were training catch wrestling. They want to call Luta Libre or not? They want to call catch wrestling? Okay, but at least call acknowledge catch wrestling because they all learn from it. Period. Now moving forward at this point, we go to the eighties. So there is a chronology that I was talking to Hene before. We have the invasion of Boqueirão, which is was the headquarter of Luta Livre at the time. Where did, was that located? There was Boqueirão Club, okay? Boqueirão, okay, so that, that area, there were four main clubs. It's like Aterro do Flamengo, people are going to say it's Gloria. I'm going to say Aterro do Flamengo because it has, as that's what I learned back then, okay? There were four main clubs, one, clo- one connect to the next one, four clubs. And these are athletic clubs? Yeah, th- these were um, clubs nauticals. In, port- in English, it would be like nautical, nautical, nautical clubs. I get it. Boats get it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they had ex- uh, like sports. Yeah, yeah, and right. they had all Like the- Chelsea Piers. Hmm. Yes, yes, that's a good yeah. example. New York has a club yes. and has, a, has uh, yes. some boats and ch- yeah. it's on the it's water. It's nautical yeah. clubs yeah. that happen to have tennis other, or other activities. Yeah. Yeah. They have pelota in Santa Luzia. Pelota is like, just like, it's like uh, I don't know the fuck you would say in English. Like or, a ba- ball game. It's you, like yeah, you, just, you hit the ball to the wall and you come back. And you hit oh, handball. Hand handball. Hand it's a handball. Yeah. They're called pelota yeah. right, in, in Santa Luzia. Yeah. So there were four clubs. Four clubs. Santa Luzia. Mm-hmm. Boqueirão, 
Internacional e Vasco da Gama. Four clubs, one next to the neck, to the other. How, that's how it was. Okay? All right. And all of them had Luta Libre? No. Oh, no. Okay. Two of them had Luta Libre at some point because I started Luta Libre at Santa Luzia with Paulo Boca. I told you that. Mm. Right? I didn't know. I'm 16 years old. I don't fucking know what's happening in the world of Luta Libre. I'm just like, okay, let's just fucking learn something and I'm here. But next to me, if I knew I was going to the Boqueron, because Boqueron was the headquarter of the Luta Live at that time, I did not know because I know I don't know anything. You're only 16 years old, right? I don't know shit, right? <laughs> okay, I want to fight, so I'm just, I have a lot of uh, anger. Yeah. Anger, I just want to do something, you know, just fight. And I had to start, by the time I had to start already at Naja Academy, as I said before. So I just like looking, anything really to, to fight? And just get this fucking energy out. I would just fight. I would just like train. That was my nature at the time. So I was in uh, Santa Luzia, and then was next to Boqueron. The video that you guys have on YouTube talking about the Boqueron invasion and the Pepe Beach fight between Hugo Duarte and Hickson shows an image of international club, not Boqueron club. And I'm just making this point because I know I'm talking because fuck, I'm, I'm there, okay? And international is red and white. Boqueron is green and white. So you know that's not, it's wrong. And I can read like internal, international club de regatas, but shit, that's not Boqueron. Okay, Boqueron was the headquarters of Luta Libre. So you have Carlos Bruno Silla, who is the son of Fausto Bruno Silla, who happens to be the student of Euclid Hatem that I was talking before. So he's the lineage of right. the Luther Third generation. guy. Is, is, is the student of the guy who, who implemented, who created Luther Livre in Brazil. Fausto Bonacilla is, is a student of Euclid Hatem, Mestre Tatu, passed down to his son, Carlos Carl Bonacilla, who happened to be the teacher of Marco Ruas, he was like a father figure to Eugênio Tadeu. Eugênio Tadeu is saying this in other videos. He was a father figure. And I can show any single video that I'm talking to. I'm, I can prove what I'm talking to. He's saying like he was a father figure. I never paid one uh, like a, a monthly payment. He was always took care of me. He was like a father figure for me. And Carlos Bruno Silla, he was the one of the main... Luta Livre guys in the 80s. Now, be here with me. There were at least two other guys back in the 80s in Rio. I'm not going to say Brazil. I can only say by Rio because that's what I was, okay? There were João Ricardo from Budokan e Roberto Leitão. Roberto Leitão e João Ricardo, these were like big, big humongous, like huge names in Luta Livre, in, in Rio de Janeiro, in Brazil in general. So they were there. I'm just like being making a point that at that particular location, Boqueirão, uh, Carlos Bruno Silla and the father at the time, so they were the one running the, the space. Academy, yeah. Okay? And everything was passed down actually through Euclid Hatem, which is Mesh Tattoo, who was the, the guy in the 30s and 40s right. and until he passed away. So, what I know is this. 
And you, if you go on YouTube, I can translate whatever they're saying, but that's what happened. Uh, in 1988, the, the chronology is, the Grace family invaded the headquarter of Lutalir, which is Boqueron. Why did they do that? Do you know? Because, we, we listen, we, are, we, we just came from the, this is 1988, all right? At that time, 1995, Marco Hughes had fought in UFC. Mm. So showed that Muay Thai, Lutalir had, you know, may have some name, have some place. So we talk about three years after this, but 1995, so 1996, 1997, you have the effect of what happened maybe one year before because, yeah, they, he did this or, he, or she did that, and then they are just like riding the wave of, of the what, UFC, what, yeah. And, and Marco Hose was the, the champion of UFC, as we know, and seven, 1995, and then like the Muay Thai. And the thing is like he raised the banner of Muay Thai, not Luta Libre. Maybe if he had raised the Luta Libre, maybe Luta Libre would be in a different place today. Yeah. And that was something that happened. Many guys that won that we know they were Luta Libre guys, they didn't raise the Luta Libre banner or flag at the time. They're just like Muay Thai, and then later on, uh, Marco Hoje went for Hoje uh, Bali Tudo. Tudo, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. understand? But never Luta Libre. There is only one guy today, which is Cromado, who is the only MMA coach that we know that still to date in Japan, like Alexandre Piquiano, example, yeah. like yeah. many years ago, is the only one who keep raising the Luta Libre flag. If maybe in back in the 90s, if they had raised the flag, maybe Luther Libre would be more known than today. Yeah. Okay, so that's something else. But so what was the reason for the invasion in 1988? Because kind of they, that. okay. At the time, they wanted to, they knew that Luther Libre was growing. Right. And they found to be, okay, so maybe it's a little threat, threatening, if you will. And so, you know, let's just go there and challenge the fighters who are the Luther Libre guys at the time. But understand one thing. We, we, we're talking about a Boqueron. Boqueron is 1988. Understand that before this, there was the 1991 Luta Livre against Jiu-Jitsu. 91? Yes. But you said 88. No, no. 88 was the Boqueron. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Okay, sorry. After this, after, what, yeah, after. it was the so the thing is that the, the, the Luther Leaf has always been around, yeah, like and bothering them somehow. And that the whole there was it's hard to say if what is I, I don't know was the reason that they went to Bokeron for that matter in, in 1988. What I can know is this, what I can tell is this from 84 when Muay Thai was had the draw, yeah, they knew that Marcus, who was e. Eugenio Tadeu, they were training Luta Livre, and that's why they were so good in getting out of the positions and winning like uh, Eugenio Tadeu. And they, at some, at that point, they just wanted to challenge Luta Livre because they were, listen, everybody lived basically in the same neighborhood. That's what we need to understand. So there was a lot of uh, rumors, people talking about things. Yeah. Okay? And then we're going to get to the the the... the which as well. So the thing is, like, there was a lot of rumors happening, okay? So I'm living in Copacabana, so you hear people saying, oh, this is going to happen. They say they're going to invade this place. This, all, this is, like, all the time. Like, Valerio Mayo says, like, we were at war. This was, like, every single day is just, like, war. 
You just ready to just go wake up, go to the street, and you can fight anytime. That's the way. And it was like for almost 20 fucking years. And I can guarantee you that's how it was because I was there. And that's how it was. And the thing, so the point, I cannot tell you 100% why did they, the reason behind it. What I can say is that Grandmaster Elio Gracie, Hickson Gracie, Sergio Malibu, they went to Boqueron. Which were, no, they were more people. Oh. I'm just talking to people that we know yeah, by right, name, right. right? And they went to Boqueron, which was the headquarters of Luta Libre. Bruno, Bruno Silla, Carlos Bruno Silla, he was the main guy there. Bruno Silla, and I have a video with Marcos Rua saying that. Bruno Silla and Marcos Rua saying, that's about, I'm translating what he's saying, and he says, maybe he wanted to, like, like to start something, maybe to, kind of a promotion, you know, and he called me. So he calls Marcos Rua and says, listen, go to Boqueron right now because Hickson is going to challenge you to fight. And Marcos Rua was like, Why? What's going on? Just go there because he's gonna show up and he's gonna call, he's gonna challenge you. And Marco was gold right, okay? And he went there. This is in YouTube, okay? Anybody who speaks Portuguese can fucking translate what I'm saying. He got there, and then the Grace entourage came, and then Helio Grace stopped talking first. Then Hicks and Grace start second talking and say listen i'm here to fight anyone from the luta leader who is the man whoever is the guys who you you think is that can represent it uh, i can fight one two or three and ali grace said the same thing before him three in a row the kind of a bullshit that he used they used to talk right you can fight <laughs> three in a row and now uh, end the fight and then the guys like and then marco who says in his video carlos bruno silla was looking at me like are you going to do something about it? Because they are just challenging you. But, but, but Marco, who he says, like, I, he had no idea what's going on. He said, Bruno, Carlos called him, said, like, the guy's going to challenge you. But when he got there, he's challenging Luta Livre guys, but not him personally. And then, and, and, and uh, let me, I, I want to make this observation. Marco, who says, I want to see Hickson Gracie tell in my face that he did not say what he told me. That, no, 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 I never challenged you. There was with the Luther Luther guys were nothing personal. Because he told later on in some in other interviews, yes, I went there and I challenged him to fight and blah, 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 blah. But in my face, I'm talking about Marco Hoish. In my face, he never did. He said a completely different story. And I want to I tell him, if he deny in my face that he said, then I fucking fight him because he's fucking lying. And I'm translating what he's saying in the video. Okay? So the bottom line was they invaded Boqueron, challenged Luta Livre guys at the time. Mestre Eugenio Tadeu at the time was there. You talk about 1988. And he's just like jumping, and he, there's a video he says, I was just jumping rope and hitting the bag, and you know, I'm just waiting to see what the, because these are the heavyweight guys, so I'm not involved. I'm just listening to what's happening, and I'm just going to be where I am, just poo poo poo, you know, just like jumping my rope and hitting the bag and waiting for whatever is going to happen. And after, after a while, Eugenio Tadeu went to them and said, okay, so who is, I'm translating what Eugene Tadeu said in the video. I went to them and asked, who 
right now in the Grace family, right now is here. That is my weight. Then I can fight. Nobody was ready to fight. So nobody fought. Eugenio Tadeu at the time. So nobody accept the challenge at that time to do. Because there's something that Eugenio Tadeu says in his video over and over and over that Gracie, they would, they would like challenge people. They would invade gyms and say, let's fight. And people go, okay, let's, uh, let's put a date, put on a calendar to fight. And then like two months for us to train. And then we do see what happens. And say, no, 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 we got to fight right now. But when you invaded uh, a Grace Academy, they would say, no, 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 let's find, you know, a date, and then we're going to put some time to train. They never were ready. So, which means, every time they invade a place, they were, they were ready to fight because they've been trained to fucking fight and just want to take a fucking advantage or, or over whoever they're invading. They were, and that's uh, Master, uh, Master Eugene Tadeu saying that he had, they had, had this culture of invading when they were ready, but when they were invaded, no, no, okay, so let's make, uh, just put a calendar, on a calendar date, and then we got a two months, three months to train, and blah, 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 but then never gave anybody time to train. And when it, when they invaded Boqueron, Hickson was just a few months away to come to the United States. That's when they, he, he moved to the United States, and, and also uh, Hans at that time, even younger, but he came to the United States in the late 80s. So no 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 I'm not gonna give any time I'm not gonna give a time to people to train because I need to go to I have some trip I have to travel and I'm gonna fight right now if I, nobody's gonna fight right now dude you're gonna spend some time gonna two or three months and then we're gonna fight and that's when Mastery, uh, uh Master Eugenio Tadeo stepped in and said okay so I'm ready to fight right now who is my weight and we fight nobody fucking said. Anything. How much does uh, Tadeo weigh? What, what was he? What's his weight? weight class? Ah, that's the thing. He's, Tad, he's Tadeo, like Hoyler's weight class, right? Dude, so he's like forty-five. Well, bigger? Or? No, 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 no. He's, he's more than that. So, like, uh, we can say one sixty-five, one seventy. Yeah, right. for sure. And Hickson was about one eighty-five, one ninety. Hickson was yes, yeah, heavier. Yeah. All right. So the whole thing. So and then from this Boqueron, then we have. So nobody fought though. Nobody fought. At, on this day, right. nobody took the challenge from Master Eugenio Tadeo, okay? Because they wanted to put people on the list to call. Because it, um, as far as I'm concerned, Master Halle Grace said, Hickson is ready to fight three guys in a row. Just put in a row and they fight. He fights it. Which, you know, is bullshit. Just like the pressure that, you know, I said in the last podcast, they have this pressure. And if you're just like not really cash good and, you know, like you can take the pressure. It's just like, oh, shit, they are really. Okay, so let's fight right now. Okay, so, okay, so let's wait. Maybe we can. <laughs> That's what's the fucking shit. All right. So, and this was Boqueron uh, still in 1988. So this was before the Pepe Beach between Hugo Duarte. Because that was they, a week a week later, right? No, this, no was, this was a little more than yeah, that. Right. But the whole thing with the, the, the Pepe Beach uh, fight was that, according to some sources, people said that, okay, so who are the fighters who would be willing to fight Hickson? And then one of the names was Hugo Duarte. So, and he wasn't at uh, Bucaron at that time. 
No, no. Yeah. yeah. No, not that I know yeah, of. Right, right. Maybe he was. I, uh, I cannot say because I don't have I don't have source to say right. that. Okay. What I say is that Ugduachi was on one of the guys. Right. There is one source that says that he was and he said, put my name on the list. Yeah, I I've would, actually heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah I would yeah, not yeah. confirm because I was not there to say right, right. okay? To say that. And yeah, that's what I heard. He said, Yeah, put my name on the list. Yeah. But three months later, that's when happened the Boqueron. So, I'm yeah, sorry. The, 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 the Pepe Beach thing. Right. Because, but this is the BJJ version of bullshit. Yeah, so let's go into that's <laughs> exactly what happened. So basically what we're talking about is a very famous street fight between Hugo Duarte and Hicks and Gracie, which is on YouTube. But as Jilson's going to say, in his, 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 he says that it's a heavily edited version. But can you go over exactly what happened? Okay, okay. But, but, but it's a very famous, it's okay. part of jiu-jitsu lore. Before, it's this big street fight. Before, okay. before I go into this, uh-huh. I'm, I, I have to say, tell a, a little story. Okay. okay, sure. There was a karate guy, okay, he's 30 years old. 30 years old. Karate guy, he's 30 years old. And then he challenged a, and he's been training for about 20, at least 22 years. He's a karate guy, black belt karate guy, and he's been training for 22 years. And he challenged a taekwondo guy who had been training for five years. And then they fought, and it seems that the karate guy won the fight. And then the all karate guy, which, as I said, is part of my tribe, go like karate is better than taekwondo. I ask Matt first. Matt, do you believe this to be a, a fair fight, considering that this guy has he's 30 years old, he's, he's been training for 22 years, has professional fights under his belt, challenging a taekwondo guy who's been training for five, who never fought any professional fight, and now because he won, he said the karate is better than taekwondo. What do you think? Not fair. Rene? Yeah, that's, that's uh, especially when you're talking about someone who has professional fights and someone who doesn't. That's a mismatch. Okay. So that's what happened to Pepe Beach. Nobody fucking talking about that. Hickson Grace was fucking 30 years old. Ugduach was 1920, had only five years of Luther lived. At 30, Hickson Gracie was already a black belt since 18, teaching since, fi- since 15, black belt since 18, and had already professional fights, including Zulu, twice. At that time, he already fought several fights professionally. And then he challenged someone who's 10 years younger than him, who is Ugduach. So Luta Livre guys, so, so, so the, the jiu-jitsu guys, you like to say, to use this video as jiu-jitsu guys really dominate Luta Livre. But if it was all the way around, they would be like crying, outraged, how, how the fuck they were cowards. Uh, the cowardice there was, that someone who been around for 30 years, 10 years older than the kid who's 19, 20, with experience as a professional fighter, f- winning a fight. Just for starters. I'm just, just for starters. I can show a video that when Hicks, so in the beginning of the fight, first off, he, he, he hit uh, Ogdwash with a slap, left hand slap. Yeah, you can see that right? in the video. Yeah. Like, 
was not a we cannot call a sucker punch. It was like sucker slap, yeah. right? <laughs> it's that Brazilian slap. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 oh okay. But put it, put this into perspective yeah. based on what I said. This is a thirty year old man sucker slapping a nineteen twenty year old kid. First off. And before this, the behind the scenes, you got like fifty guys from the BJJ waiting for the Luta Livre guys to go to Pepe because it was known that Pepe, the the, the Luta Livre guys, they would train in the morning and they would go to to the beach. This was Saturday, so on that day they knew that uh, Ugo Duarte, Ugo Duarte had just trained for fucking two three hours, even before the fucking fight. So they are picking the time they are attacking. Someone, you know what? War is war. Be strategic. I get it. But when someone wants to to sing victory over cowardice, then you have to oh stop 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 stop. This fucking bullshit. Because that's what, what it was. So the guy just trained. So you chose to attack a guy who just first off doesn't have the same level of experience that you have. First off, ten years younger than you. You are a professional fucking fighter at this point, and you fight someone who's been trained for five years, and you're still fucking 19 years trained. At that time, Luther Livre, and not only that time, but like for most part, Luther Livre, they never had a fucking leadership. That's one thing that fucking killed Luther Livre. They never had someone like Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time, especially with the Grace family, they had a structure, they had a family, they had a structure, and they had a fucking PR machine to get the shit. Luther Livre never had that. When when it came about with the thing with Ugo Duarte, Ugo Duarte was uh, was like a tall guy in comparison, right? Maybe six one, six two, and uh, Hickson like five ten, and he just and he just like he came about to be someone in the front, but it's not like he put himself to be, or nobody can say that he was the guy. No, he was not the guy. He just came about to be because the circumstances. Ask someone to be. Just same thing that Master Eugene Tadeo stepped up when he had to fucking step up. But there was no fucking leadership. Carlos Bruno Silla never stepped up to be the guy. João Ricardo nunca fucking stepped up to be the guy in Luta Livre. Uh, Roberto Leitão nunca fucking stepped up to be the, the, leadership, the leader in the Luta Livre. Nobody. It was like just like pockets. But Gracie was always Grace family solid foundation. And they have credit for the shit. Yes, I'm talking about the Luther Livre. They never had the shit. It was isolated pockets. Yeah. So you have a guy who's a 30-year-old, black belt in jiu-jitsu for, since 18, which means 12 years of black belt, had already gone Marcelo Bering, right? Black belt. He was a black belt already for long enough to, 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 to make all, to promote all yeah. the black belts. He had already professional fights, including Zulu, which we know he fought Zulu twice. We only have on TV the second fight. The first fight he won as well. Yeah. All right? Against a 19, 20-year-old kid, which is Ugduach, there was, at the time, he said, no, put me on a list. You know, I'll fight him. But he had only five years of training. So, like, when it comes to technical uh, skills, it's very likely that he would lose. But it's still, he's fucking stepped up because... I'll fight like myself. I can't fight whoever wants to fight me. I fight, you know, whatever the, the different skills. And he did it. And then what bothers me is that, first off, every, most things that we have on, on YouTube is heavily edited. If you do watch the unedited version that there is, then you're going to see in the beginning of the fight, Ugo Duarte, take him down, 
passing the guard, and then Hicks in reverse, and then we're going to see Hugo Duarte knee his face, knee to his face, fuck him up. And then what you don't see is Hugo Duarte walking back, just walking around the beach, right? And then just falling over a fucking uh, a crate, like when you put like a the, crate, the, the, yeah. the, the uh, a crate. Uh, and then that's when Hickson took advantage and mounted him, and that is the end of the video. So it looks like, whoa, he really fucking dominated. No, he didn't. Even though the difference that all that I mentioned before is still he, because Hugo is a taller and he was very strong kid, and he didn't dominate it. And in the beginning of the fight, you can watch again, all the same buy another shit. You know, it's like the same fucking thing. And he didn't win the way how people... But the jiu-jitsu guys, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, they live in the fucking wonderland still, and they don't accept that. No, he didn't fucking win as you think they did. And watch the condition. If he was the Luther Livre guy, 30 years old, experienced fighter against the jiu-jitsu guys, everybody would be like outraging right now. Everybody would be a fucking outraged jiu-jitsu guy. The, the, the community would be like, no, that's cowardice. He's a 30-year-old against a kid, a 20. But because of jiu-jitsu, they just, it's just fucking conservative Republican kind of a mentality bullshit. You know? Like, whatever they do, I accept it because... Where did you see the um, full unedited version? You can... Even of like a BJJ Heroes, they have the un- unedited version. Really? Yeah. The full version? Yeah. Oh, I've never but, seen it. You know who, who shot the video? Do you know who shot it? Malibu? High and Gracie. Oh, high, high he's and a Gracie. fucking 13 year old. They say he's 12. That's right. He yeah, was yeah, about 13, yeah. 14. Gra- you're right, you're right. High he's just like, shooting, like, get the fuck out of the way. You know, he, he's a fucking kid just shooting his thing. So it's like, it's fucking great. But the thing is, like, then if you watch the whole video, it's like, it's very hard to, to, to see because there's so many people around it. But what I can tell you from the beginning, Hickson tried to take him down. He d- didn't get to take it down. Ugo took him down and got the mount and got the pass and then Hicks would go reverse and then keep fighting and it goes around and, and, turn, and then stand up again and they seem to just like swinging as we see in MMA today and then Hugo goes like fucking knee to his face like fucking beautiful that's great and then there is no the part that he's, he falls back on the fucking box and the crate and then Hicks on talking the, the take advantage and just mounting him and that's at the end of the video mounting him and just like punching his face, and then they get up, they go to the water. Uh, Ugo Duarte, the added version, go to Ugo Duarte, go to the water. He washing himself. He comes back, and then Hickson goes to himself. Okay, so if you want to try in Portuguese, he's saying, if you want to just fight again, then we fight again. Saying okay, that's when they went to Grace invaded Grace Maita. How long ago after that? When? 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 A fucking week, so a week. We yeah. Get. And that's when the great Chris might yeah. because first was they were the advantage was caused because he, he fall over the fucking crate, yeah. the fucking box shit. That's was the advantage because if you watch Hickson was it was one they they were fighting like one on one. Everybody was like like at the same fucking level, you know. But you can see clearly just like uh, uh, a watch just like knee him in the face and shit. There was there were good fucking moments there, but ended with. Hickson Mountain, and then the Jiu-Jitsu guys, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, and then a week later, the Luta Le- Libre guys let's show put, up. Let's put it like a list later because I don't know the... Exactly, the, yeah. yeah. But okay, so, very soon afterwards, right? The, yeah, and I've heard this story where uh, 
where the um, yeah, but you tell it. You tell the story about yeah. how the so, Lucha Libre so, guys showed up at Gracie Humaita. Gracie yeah. Humaita is the at this point now the headquarters of Gracie Jiu Jitsu, the Elio side, because uh, the Carlson would teach somewhere else. But Humaita is an area in in Rio, and the I, now Hoyler, uh, one of the teams, is actually called Gracie Humaita. Um, it was the Gracie main main Gracie Academy uh, in Rio at that time, right? Yes. For the Elio Elio side, no, no, yeah, no, for, yeah. Th- that's the thing. Like when 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 you say like Grace family, yeah. When I say Grace family, I'm talking about Grandmaster Elio Gracie and his sons. Right. That's what I call Grace family. Right. But it's it's made as much bigger, like we were right. saying before. Yeah. Yeah. So at like, that point, already yes. Carlson had sp- 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 split so, off. So so yeah. when I say about like Master Hands of Gracie, I'm not talking about. It's not, for me. It's not Grace family. Yeah. You know, it's part of the Grace tree. Right. But it's not Grace family. I'm talking about like if you talk about a Grace family, for me it's like Master Grandmaster Elio Gracie. We talk about Hardion. We talk about Helson. We talk about Hickson. We talk about Harley. We talk about uh, Horace. Yeah. This for me is Grace family. Right, right. But but that's not that. Was, some people but, would have a problem with. Yeah. That. yeah. So like fuck Gracie, because this uh, I don't like how they go Gracie, and you go like. And everybody was like, oh, he said shit about a Grace family. The, tr- the whole tree wants to fucking kill him now. <laughs> I, and, and by the way, by the way, so people, you guys know, Rodrigo Grace is one of the guys that I adore in Grace because I met him when he was like 15, 16. Yeah, you met him at a club, right? In uh, the Scala. Uh, in the Scala. Uh, Scala, Scala is a club. It was a yeah. club. They had a matinee for for kid, for uh, teenagers and yeah. kids, and then had the adult section. Yeah. Very kind. I love the kid. We would hang out. I would just, just hang out with him like for a lot. And I love the kid. But I don't know the man that he became. But I know uh, the, the teenager was yeah. like I. I really love the kid. As I understand, Rodrigo Gracie, and I, I've never met him personally, but I met his students. I met many of his students, and I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Rodrigo in my life. Uh, nothing. I've only ever heard good things, and his students are also great, great people. Yeah, the so. only thing, the only thing about Rodrigo Grace that I can say is that he went to California and then he stayed with Horace Grace, which is someone that I just like. It's the only, <laughs> it's the only Grace. Well, this is his I, uncle. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is know. the only. We all grace. have we have yeah. aunts and yeah. uncles we don't yeah. like, but we yes. you know if they have a free bed, we'll take this, it. Yeah, no, this is the anyway. only Grace I just like. Anyway, but let's go but to the like invasion. Yes. Yeah, okay, let's I get like to the invasion because it's getting long. Yeah. So, so the thing is, like, when it came to the Grace of Maita. That's what that that's what happened. Okay, you had people meeting up at Boqueron, which is the headquarter. We had about eighty to one hundred Luther Libre guys, and we just they just went to Grace Humaita. Okay, once we got there, you look they were looking for Hickson Gracie. Is Hickson here? No, he's not here. And then, of course, as I said before. Uh, Elio Grace is the shit, right? The guy, the man is is the man. Elio Grace is just solid. And look at Ugo Dwight. And Ugo Dwight says this in the views, like, man, he's he's was really an interesting guy. He's just like, oh my my son, great, you have really disposition, have the drive to fight. Okay, so Hickson's not here, so let's call him. Let's call him. And they call Hickson because Ugo Dwight came to to challenge Hickson because he doesn't believe that what happened on the beach was was fair. Right, because he fell over the crate. Yes. So they call Hickson. At that time, somebody calls Carson Grace Academy. Listen, Luther Livre is invading Grace Umaita. And then you see uh, Valid Mayu saying, fuck, who's coming with me? 
And Valiz Mayu is always the guy in yeah, the yeah, front. Yeah. Like, it's the shit. I love the guy. I love him. I love the guy. And then they went to, to Grace Humaita. But the bottom line was this. That's what I want you guys to understand. Was based 9,100 against 8 to 10 jiu-jitsu guys. That was the fucking bottom line. Just like the invasion of uh, the Naja Academy. Which is 25 right. against 5. Right. Right. If, actually, if it... it Worst odds. Worst odds, right? But but as I understand, but it, the Lu- Luto Libre guys acted like uh, gentlemen. For no, the no, most they part. were. Yeah. No, you, no, you have Valid Jmayu saying yeah. like the guys were men and they honored their word, because Ugudua told uh, Professor Elio Gracie, as I said before, I, like Master Gary Master. I call yeah. Professor because it's, I have Professor Elio, Professor. We, I give you my word that nobody's gonna get involved. It's just gonna be one on one. So. Everything is going to be okay. You know, the safety of of you guys is going to be kept. Uh, you have my word. And he kept the word. Because Balijmayu said, if they decided to just fucking fight, Balijmayu's words were, they would just run us over. Because you're fucking 100 people. against 8, 10. <laughs> you can fucking win. You know? Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. It's right. just like fucking uh, Thermopolis in Spartan. <laughs> You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you have a thousand against fucking three hundred thousand. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. You're gonna fucking lose, yeah. right? And it's said they were men, and they really men. In Portuguese, say like, no, cara foi sujeito homem, meaning the guy was a man. He honored his word, and then that's what he did. And then, we, even though the number was maybe ten to one, nine to one, ten to one, the word were kept. So, Hickson showed up. Went upstairs with his spiro, and then he fought Ugduach. He won. Okay, he had the. He advantage. won with rear naked choke, right? Was that correct? Uh, n- he didn't win through the neck. What is known is that he took his back, but mm-hmm. he didn't get the rear neck choke because they stopped the fight before that. Like, okay, okay, it's done, it's done. Oh, okay, so he took his yeah, back. Okay, he took right. the advantage, but he yeah. got the mount, back mount, back mount, right? So it was and just in like... the, in, uh, there is pictures, so I can show the pictures. So yeah. yeah. Of it. I don't have the picture of the rear knock chuck, so that's why I cannot say that right, that right. happened. But he back-mounted him. But yeah. he back-mounted. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And that's when Master Jaren Tadeo, uh, one of my masters, then challenged someone to fight him on his Hoyle. weight. And then was Hoyle. Yeah. Then if you go to the Fox News BJJ, <laughs> they say that that I'm not going to give the, tell the name again because I'm not going to air time. This is a piece of shit. <laughs> the Fox News BJJ, they're gonna say that. So much for BJ Heroes as a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a piece of shit. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and uh, and they say and they say, no. And then, oh, they say that Eugenio Tadeu chose between Hillian, Hillian Gracie. And Hoyler, but Hillian was the best one in the the body weight, but he chose Hoyler. No, motherfucker. That's who was at the time to fight him. So that's why they manipulate the fucking information. And they did fight. And they lied. And and they lied, and and they fought. Mm -hmm. And Valijmayu, in the video, he says, defending jiu-jitsu overall. I'm not, I'm not, I understand you know, say, you know, maybe that was a mistake. That's the thing. If you, if you, those who fought were in the gi and lost, people say, oh, maybe it was a mistake, you know, they were in the gi. If they win, like 
Christ's grace one. Oh, that's great. So at least he knows where the hands are so the, of the opponent. But so it's like you, you, you just like answer according to whatever the, the frame you want to have. Anyways, he fought Hoyler. Hoyler was wearing the gi. Hoyler fucking lost. Took a fucking left hooked at some point. Dropped the motherfucker and he was done. And then Valij Ismail, Carson Grace, black belt dude, is saying in the video, says, and then Hoyler asked them, somebody hit me from the back. He said, no, 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 no. Nobody hit you. You got caught. Yeah, 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 hook, yeah, yeah. and he dropped you. That's what that's what I've heard. I've heard somebody <laughs> hit him from behind. Yeah, that's what I yeah. Heard, that's yeah. fucking bullshit. Valij Mayu says, "No, no, no, nobody hit you. You got caught with the left hook, and it fucking dropped you, and you're fucking done." And Valij Mayu says about the Lul Talib, "They were men. They honored their word because if they wanted, they would just fucking wipe us out because it was fucking one hundred against fuck eight or ten. Just to make clear that the translation that." All uh, what happened in the invasion of the Luther Livre guys invading the Grace Umaita. Guys, this is still 1988. Yeah. Okay? And from 1988, we, then the Luther Livre uh, invaded Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament in 1991. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, man. I, well, okay, what happened then? So. Oh, wait. That's the one with the big riot. Uh, no. No, okay. okay. <laughs> the, the Luther Livre invaded uh, Nostra Jiu-Jitsu tournament, Nostra Jiu-Jitsu, this 1991. By then, Hickson is out, Hanzo is out, everybody's already in the United States. When you say invade, you mean they entered the entered and competed? or just, they just No, they yeah, just went to it. Uh, and they but just, people, listen, if you have 100 people of one particular martial arts going to a tournament, you go like, this motherfucker's invaded. They didn't invade <laughs> it. They went to... And there was interpreted as invasion. It maybe was invasion. I'm not defending. I'm saying like maybe there was. So, I don't so know. there's a big I, fight broke. I out. wasn't. No, no, no. Oh no. Okay, no. Okay. It, do, have you seen the YouTube video where uh, High and Grace is fighting Tico on the backyard of a house? Tiki Gosen. Tico. T I C O. No, no, no. In the backyard of a house. No. So you guys don't know fucking shit. So, <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> this is in Brazil, or yeah, motherfucker. This was this came from the this part of the Tico is a Carson Grace student. This one after they broke Carson Grace broke, broke off the yeah, Grace yeah, yeah, family, yeah. and then the the agreement was, Hansel Grace is the coach for Hyen. Only he can talk and touch his fighter. And Valid Ismail is the coach for Tico. Only he can talk to Tico and touch Tico. Right. And they fought for fucking 30, 40 minutes in the fucking backyard of a house. And this is Grace against Gracie in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Which has actually happened to be more common because Carlson really, really left and dis disassociated. Himself. But you know, but mostly they fought in jiu-jitsu Okay, style. so just to be clear, yeah. as much as I know, yeah. okay, what is the reason that Carson kind of a broke off at some point. As much as I know, I'm not saying that I know the truth. That's what I know. Back in to back to Holes Gracie and Carson, they were still you know young kids, yeah. young guys. And Carson young. and Holes were very very close because yeah. they're brothers. They were they were close and they were more 
aggressive and they had a more of aggressive approach to jiu-jitsu than Master Elio. Elio. That is true. This, as far as I know, was the beginning of the rift. Of the rift. Okay? That's true. And then Hose was very intelligently just always like on the good side of Elio Gracie. Who is his adopted father. Yes. His actual his uncle, but his adopted yes, father. Yes, that's absolutely. He's the son of Carlos, but yes. he's adopted by Elliot. Absolutely correct. I don't want to say, but yeah, absolutely. No, 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 yes, yeah. absolutely. This is the interesting thing yes. that, that yeah. Carlos gave his son to Elio to be adopted. Yeah. yeah. So and then so this, he was a, a middleman between the two sides of the family. So Holes always stayed to that particular time, to a particular time on on Elio's side, and just like just like make things to be okay, you know, you know yeah, just like you yeah. know. And, but they, but, but he, as much as Carson Grace, they had a different, more aggressive approach to judicial in general. Mm-hmm. And after Ho's passing in, 90, in, in 1982, Carson was just like, well, first off, I have no one to talk to. I am who I am. And I disagree with the way how they are approaching things. And in 1991, when the Luta Livre guys, quote-unquote, invaded Nastra uh, Cup and the judicial tournament, Carson, there was no Hickson, there is no hands up, as I said, they're all already in the United States, so there was nobody to represent, and then Carson Gracie took the responsibility to represent Gracie. That's why in the, when you see the, 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 the 1991 Jiu Jitsu against Luta Livre, you only have Carson Gracie students. students. Yeah, 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 because all the, all the LA guys had already moved to California and, and, and yeah, moved away. Yeah. You understand? So you have like, there was suppo- it was supposed to be five against five, but what three against three. So the fight that took place was. In 1991. Yes, so sir. let's 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 give a little background on that one. So so you said there was the tournament invasion, but not, no big fight happened. No, no, no. Yeah, and but then in 1991, a big event was set up, and it was against Luta Livre versus Jiu Jitsu. Jiu Jitsu against Luta yeah, Livre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was in 1991. So that was already three years after 1988, right? Yes. Okay, good. And, and once again, Hobson Grace was uh, the, the organizer. Yeah. Understand, the guys, that most, not, I'm, I can say all. Yeah. But I'm going to be very conservative, say like most or fights happening in the 80s and 90s were organized by the Grace family because they had the name, they've been around the since the, the 30s and the 40s, they had the connection, yeah. and then they could bring sponsors in to, and, bring, and, to and bring them up. And they had, as I understand, if you look at the, the, bio, the biography of, of uh, Carlos Gracie by Elia Grace, or Elia Gracie, his daughter, she does mention that Carlos Gracie and Elia Gracie had very strong relationships to the um, newspapers. So that was a big part. So if you have connections to the newspapers, you have connections to sponsors. So you have you have, you can you can do more things. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, yeah. like yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's not trash talking. That's just that's just a fact. No, no, no. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Like, listen, uh, most, not to say all, and just being conservative, mm-hmm. competition that happened in the eighties and nineties is all organized by Gracie, and that's that's what it was because they had the connection and also in giving credit, they have the name. Yeah. They've been fighting for so long, and people rem- people don't remember Master Tattoo, Euclidus Hatem from fucking 30s and 40s, but they still remember the, from the 50s, uh, Grandmaster Elio Gracie, the Gracie guy, fighting. They're losing, but still uh, have the name, and still fighting, and winning other ones. And then he brings the sponsors in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then we're going to talk about 1997. Yeah. Uh, but let's, let's talk, let's but, talk about, yeah. But yeah. the 1991, yeah. we, in the end, we had, out of five, four, sorry, Five fights, you had only 
three. So he had Valide Ismael against Eugenio Tadeu. Valide, again, Carlson Gracie student. They're all Carlson yeah, Gracie yeah. student. Murilo Bustamante. The man, master fighter. Against Marcelo Mendes. And Marce Murilo Bustamante, the only person to tap someone twice in one fight in, in the UFC. Hmm. Matt Lindland tapped him twice in one fight. Good, nice little fact there. And Go. then you have Fabio Gurgel, general. Oh, my God. The I general against Denilson Maia. Yeah. The jiu-jitsu guys won the three fights. Hmm. Period. There's nothing to say. Okay? So they won over the Luta Livre guys. But these are not Gracie family guys. These are Carson Gracie, more aggressive and different perspective. I don't know if but, you could say, because I don't think Fabio Gurgel uh, um, considers himself of Carlson Gracie because he's mostly, he had a number of different training backgrounds, and mostly he was a whole student, but as, uh, according to himself. Okay, so then you have two samurais and one Ronnie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah I have yeah, no master. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's just like <laughs> right, me. Right, I'm yeah, not yeah. like... No, but I, I don't, I, you know, look, I'm not going to wade into what um, Fabio Gurgel Master Grigel considers himself his lineage, but I I don't believe that he considers himself. I don't believe my no, personal. No, no. I don't I, believe I he, he, I do, he I do, raised I do, the flag. Of I don't understand. Right, yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah. Nineteen ninety one, and they won. Nineteen ninety one. I can assure you, in Copacabana, Leblon, in Panama, all the really the core of Rio de Janeiro, like South Zone, as we call Zona mm -hmm. Sul. There was a boost for jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Fucking definitely. Because they won over jiu-jitsu. Yeah, All literally. fucking Luta Livre guys, yeah. they won the guys. Period. Only that, my observation is this. Marcelo Baring, he was, you know, Marcelo Baring. Yeah. He was supposed to be fighting Hugo Duarte. He got injured. I can tell you there was more drugging happening at the time. And I'm not going to. You spend on that. Yeah. You're just not, not ready to fight. Yeah, yeah. And the second was, and Marcus, who was, was supposed to fight Amadi Bitachi. And then they said. But that, that didn't happen. Didn't happen because Amadi, uh, uh, if you go to a Fox News BJJ, they go, <laughs> they're going to say that, they're going to say that Marco Ruas, uh was missing from the fight. Whatever the fuck that means. So if out of five, The big guys' names, mm. they didn't fight, and they had... Denis Maia was a big guy back in the, But he's still like... For me, Denis Maia is like just like Udo. He's still yeah. a young guy, mm. you know, fighting those known names yeah, in, yeah. In, the, in the mid-90s, you know, yeah. in the late 80s and 90s, in the big, uh, early 90s, to be fair. So that's what happened. So bottom line is this. Jiu-Jitsu won, 3-2-0, boost to, BJ, to BJJ at the time, and like, yeah. And here we go, 1991, and then 93 came, 1993 came, UFC came, Hosh and Grace is kicking ass in the UFC, and BJJ was the shit. And then a few years later, Hickson goes to Japan and, and does amazing too. Yeah. 1995. I'm not going to even talk about the, the, who is fighting. I'm not even, because just... <laughs> oh, you know, let no, me no, see. No, 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 I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going <laughs> to say... What what people what those people listeners right listen to what I'm talking right now first what you need to know is this I've been a a a strength conditioning coach I was a strength conditioning coach for 22 years in Brazil in the United States and I had the honor to to train people from all disciplines all disciplines jiu jitsu 
Muay Thai, kickboxing, wrestling. I train them all. So it's not talking anything about the jiu-jitsu in particular, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for if we all grace family. No. I'm share, I'm, what I'm doing is just sharing what I lived in the 80s. I'm a teenager in the 80s, and I'm a, a young man in my 20s in the 90s. And I'm just sharing what I lived because I was in Copacabana, and Copacabana was the center of all the shit. And as I work in this place called Half Duchi in Copacabana, all the fighters from the UFC, from the Brazilian side, the Carson Gracie, example, Bebel, Valide de Maio, Vito Belfort, Carlos Barreto, they all trained at this school every week. So yeah. I got to talk to them all every single week for years. And their coach, which was Rogério Camões, someone that I know from 1990, from studying with him and also being the same part of bodybuilding team that he was part of in 1990. I'm a 19-year-old kid, and he was part of my bodybuilding team. So what I'm talking to you is because I lived... And I, I haven't even said about my problem with Carlos Barreto. We always fought. Really? Yeah. We, I, we had something. That, I say, like, there's so much history yeah. because it happened. Yeah. You know? But anyway, so let's – we, basically, we understand that you, you know what you're talking about because you lived it. You experienced it. Yes, sir. And um, so you said right after the, the 1991 fight that – and jiu-jitsu and UFC, jiu-jitsu exploded in, in Zona Sul. Yes. Then – then what happened? The rivalry between Luta Livre and Jiu-Jitsu got more heated, or like, tell us what happened next, and they'll bring us to 1997, and you know when the lights turn off. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, listen, when, nobody knows what I'm talking yeah, about. But, yeah. I said before, when it came to Luta Livre against uh, Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu against Luta Livre, this rivalry you can date all the way back to 1930s. Hmm. To think to say that this started at 1980s that it's not true. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. You know, it, like whoever's saying it just don't know the history. If you go through the history, like Hene, like myself, we have like a scientific mind. We need evidence. We need to like we are researchers who like to study things. The shit goes back to to the beginning of the century. All right, and they're gonna see the rivalry. Now, in the 80s, more evident because now you have. Things as phone, <laughs> you know, yeah. video, the, the the video hand camera, you know, and the people can can shoot something, whatever is happening, you know, like. And I I was talking to Rene uh, probably three weeks ago, and I was like, "Fuck, man, you know, sometimes that I feel bad about is like back in some of my days of fighting, I don't have the footage." And I feel incomplete because I cannot show what the fuck I did. Yeah. Because it's the eighties, not a fuck if I Yeah, they carry like an iPhone and it, and yeah. have a you can shoot and so it's like for us that are part of this generation from the eighties to the nineties, where the technology like took a leap, yeah. sometimes can be a little very frustrating and disappointing and saddening at some point because at some time because we cannot show something. So the whole thing when it came to the, the, the transition of the, the, the Luta Livre against Jiu-Jitsu, this has been happening for a long time. And what happened in 1991 was a great boost for Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I'm going to say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And then we came to 1997 at 
Danish club with the Pentag- uh, Pentagon. That's what it was called, event, yeah. tournament. It was a, a Tijuca Tennis Club, right? What was at Tijuca Tennis Club. Oh, yeah. But is, before this, yeah. we had in 1995, you had, you had, you had uh, Desafio Internacional de Vale Tudo in 1995. Is that what? where Fabio Grigel fought? Um, no, no, Mark that's what that's was one Maurice Bittet was knocked the fuck down by a capoeirista, by a capoeira oh, practitioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine, yeah. I was there with my, my at the time was my good friend Marcelo Valente, who's a brown belt from Carson Gracie, because I trained him. He's my friend, but I trained him as an athlete. Mm. I was there with him. The first thing he did was he took his shirt off. He just wrapped around, just tied around his waist, but, and he used to call me kid. So like kid, he's like maybe early thirties, like kid. So just to be no, just if something happens, you know. Okay, bro, and I'll be fighting on the jujitsu side <laughs> because I'm with my friend, right? <laughs> because Amadi Butech was fucking knocked out by a, a capoeirista. capoeirista. Yeah, I've just seen a, that. Yeah, yeah, just a short right hook and put him down, and he fucking lost because he he fucking lost. End of the fucking story. This. And then came 1997, which was the main event was Hanzo Gracie, Master Hanzo Gracie against Master Eugenio Tadeu. That was the main event of that particular can, event. Can I also just interrupt? There's a yes, little sir? background here. That 1997, I was in Japan at this time, and this is where the world is going MMA crazy. It's not just America. It started in America, but Japan everywhere. Suddenly, the, they're like, oh, we can do this thing called Valley Tudo. Because really, it wasn't MMA. It was Valley Tudo. It was no holds barred. And that's what it was. And everywhere, the thing. And, 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 and I think Rio was probably crazy. I wasn't there. But it seems like and this is like, okay, the, the gates are open. We're going to fight. And, and I think everywhere, in Japan, it was MMA crazy. Here in America, I mean, it was being, you know, John McCain was like, oh, this is human cockfighting. This is terrible. This is disgusting. But people wanted to see it. Anyway. And, and if you talk to anybody under 30 at that time, all they were doing was exchanging videotapes. And mm-hmm. remember Blockbuster? Everybody would go to Blockbuster to get the, the latest UFC uh-huh. videos. And what I would do is because it still had the Internet, but it was really slow. You download fights from Brazil. You'd start the and you'd start to download at like 10 o'clock at night and then you'd wake up at 6 in the morning and you'd have a five minute fight. <laughs> <laughs> and like you couldn't wait to see it. You know, you're like, I can't wait to see this fight. And that, but we were so crazy about this revolution in fighting and it was just, it was an awesome time, an awesome time. And, and I'm sure that craziness was part of that culture in that time and that's probably what led to that, that again, that showdown. So, so and is I'm, that that that's that's yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, it's like it, it's uh, it's hard to put into words what meant to me, and possibly what meant to others to live in Copacabana at the time, because Copacabana was still the center. Even though people would go to Ipanema, Leblon, Baixo, Baixo Glave, Pepe, Barro da Tijuca, Umaita, Copacabana, Copacabana was still kind of the core, and then you'd go to the gym whatever you train. So people would hang out in Copacabana all the time. People almost and understand that Copacabana also Copacabana also has all the the, the favelas and mohus mm. that, you know, the slums, you know, <laughs> in the hills, right? That I came from actually, all right, as you guys know. And so and so it was like we had like a very rich 
type of experience overall. So I'm saying rich because it was rich. But as Valid said, it was war every single day. You were on the street, you were in this shirt, people would be like across the street, people just fucking staring at you and just like sizing you up, just waiting to move your head, just like, what's up? And they would just, then you just fucking fight. Until the point, but back in the 90s, then it's when Carson Grace broke off, and uh, and there were there were more of like a civil war in Grace. So even guys from the Grace Baja would fight Grace Umaita just to make a fucking point because we are the Grace, right? There was not only style against style. It was yeah the civil yeah. war yeah. yeah. But of course, if I was wearing a luta livre, wearing a shirt from. From example, Janita Dill. Holy shit! <laughs> you worked in, you worked God in Grace. <laughs> fucking dead. no, no. I'll be walking in Copacabana, right. <laughs> and motherfucker was just like, like that's one something that happened to Carlos. I said it before, Carlos Barreto inside the fucking gym. The motherfucker sized me up for half of the gym, and the gym is fucking five thousand square feet shit, and he just sized me up, and I'm look at the motherfucker, the black, tall black dude motherfucker, and I'm and I'm like, I'm a fucking kid. I'm still like. Yeah. In uh, 1995, 1996, but I was like 20 inches. My arms are a fucking bodybuilder, fuck, and I had some experience in martial arts. And I looked at motherfuckers like, hmm, that's gonna be Conan all over again. You know, when Conan <laughs> fought this fucking the yeah, black, yeah, yeah. Like, the black dude was secure of the the girl. Looked like Conan the original, the barbarian. Oh, the barbarian. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Oh, no, not Conan Silveira. No, 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 the black warrior yeah. that was the security guy for the, the princess. Will Chamberlain, wasn't it? Will Chamberlain. Yeah, and that's, then, yeah. yeah. So I look like, that's fucking all corner again in my head, right? <laughs> like, and, I, and I, for, for fucking like a, a long, halfway. That was gym. Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> Not the barbarian, Conan the Destroyer. Okay. So they did, okay, they did, okay, so they destroy, <laughs> and then and then I'm staring Carlo Bahia on the shit, yeah. and that's what happened with Carlo Bahia. So we need to get to 1997 yeah. <laughs> because there's so much history, man. It's gonna be like three hours. Matt's gonna kill us here. We have to cut it off for part three, term. Okay, so uh, Matt, how much time do we have? <laughs> No, we got to finish in five, ten more minutes. You can tell, tell the story. Ten, ten minutes. minutes. Ten minutes. Tell, tell, yeah, 1997. 1997. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 1997, we had several fights throughout the event. Yeah. But the main event, and that's what only I'm going to talk to, we're going to talk about, is again, is the fight between Hansel Gracie against... Tattoo. I mean... No, uh, <laughs> against yeah, Eugenio yeah, Tadeo. Tadeo. Right. You know what's funny about it is that <laughs> I would come from Heavy Duty, which is like Arco Fierge, Copacabana. And I will be talking to Hans Grace there because he was training with his coach at the time. I mean, strength coach at the time, which Jaime Husu, who was the owner, was the owner of the gym. He trained all the Graces, Hoyler Gracie. That's why I know them because he trained them. So yeah. I was with them every week. And then I will come to talk to Hansel. So how you, so how things are gonna come to fight? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm good, right? And Hans is like he's the the nicest motherfucker that you're gonna ever meet. He's always smiling, very approachable. He's like I love the guy because he's just like a really nice guy. It that's who he is. He always was smiling his face. I can tell that about uh, Hanzo from my experience. Okay, even when I moved in to United States, I went to his school. He's the same guy, just smiling. Hey, what's up, fala Bichon? Which is another way to say it, like Bichon. Like hey, what's up, brother? You know, I said. 
lovely guy. I loved him. One of the two guys that I love in jiu-jitsu, Carson Gracie and Hansel Gracie. Other others I respect, I admire, or just like, like Rice. So he, I would talk to him. How are you doing, brother? But I'm doing great. Everything is going to be nice and blah, blah, blah. And then I would just walk out of the heavy duty and then just like make right around the corner and go to Academia Pedro Aquino, Pedro Aquino Academy. And who would be trained there? Eugenio Tadeu. And then I talked to him, Fala Eugenio. Hey, Eugenio, what's going on, man? So what's up? So he's going to go fight. This is like, I would say like 97, they were about to fight. And that, and that was the thing about in my, in my field that I would, I worked with everyone. So I knew everyone, you know? And then I was talking, no, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right in school. And then the day came. Tijuca Tennis Club, 1997. Okay. So uh, from what part do you want to start? The fight itself? The fight, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... You, the crowd was crazy, though, right? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Luta Libre guys, they were very confident on Eugenio Tadeu. Even before the, the doors were open, there were a huge number. I'm talking about two, 300 Luta Libre guys wearing the shirt, fucking Luta Libre, yeah. ready to get in. Mm-hmm. Okay. The gates were open. Luther Levy guys just fucking rushed in, and then fucking came in. And Luther Levy presence on that fight, just to have a, to give a context, was similar to what Luther Levy, uh, what Jiu-Jitsu was in 1991, because they said that Eugenio Tadeo lost the fight the same way that uh, the Nilsu. Maya, who fought Fabio Gugia, lost because they could not go back to the ring when it was supposed to. They were thrown out of the ring. Oh, right, right. And then because it took a little longer. You mean that the combatants fell out of the ring? Yeah. No, no, no. They, no, they, they thought they were thrown right, right. or fell out. Yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. Right. But they didn't restart in the same position. And, they, and, no, no. Yeah. And they, no, no, they didn't get back when the referee was telling if you're not here by now, then I'm going to just end the fight. Right. And they, both fights were won because they said they didn't come back at time when what they were supposed to. Uh. But if you're watching the fucking video, you see all the jiu-jitsu guys uh, in 1991, they were the ones around the ring. And they were fucking holding Eugenio Tadeo not to fucking get back. Uh. So fuck you, yeah. <laughs> All right, and same thing happened to 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 uh, the Newsom. They were holding the guys. So the same thing that happened on nineteen one happened nineteen ninety seven. But now it was the Luta Libre guys, three hundred motherfuckers around the fucking ring, and they were like, "Shit, what the fuck we do?" Because we're organizing. We have our police officer friends to be part of the security guys. You're not going to fight me if you know that I'm a fighter and you don't know shit. So the Luther Livre guys all around the ring, as you can see on the video, right? So Luther Livre was in charge. And Luther Livre and the Brazilian guys, because it was Hobson Grace, of course, he was the organizer. He was a very influential guy. He always organized the, 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 the fights. And, and everybody from Jiu-Jitsu was like, shit, there's a lot of fucking Luther Livre guys. And they was scared. And they, to the point that they called the police, to remove the Luta Livre guys 
from the fucking arena. stadium, right, from yeah, the yeah, arena. Yeah, yeah. But the guy who came from the police was a fucking Luther Lee fighter, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck and let everybody where they fucking were. <laughs> so by the time that we have Eugene Tadei and Hanzo, the Luther Lee guys are all over the fucking place, around the fucking ring, just like 1991. They don't, they like, they have a selective memory, you know, it's like a fucking hypocrite. They just remember what they want to remember. It's the same fucking shit. But nobody from Luther Lee held anyone back to get back in the ring. That's the drift, and they did to Eugene Tadeo. And I fucking, I put my fucking finger, I, I fucking, I step my foot, I set my foot and say, they fucking did it. So fuck them. They did it. End of story. That's my perspective. You don't like, I don't give a fuck. That's what it is for me, right? So 1997 was the other way around. Luther Levy was all around. They called the police. The police guy was Luther Levy guys. Like, don't worry, guys. Just stay there, hang out. And then by the time when the fight came, all the Luther Levy guys was around the ring. And it was a fucking pressure that the Grace guys, I don't want to say Grace, like the Jiu-Jitsu guys, it's not fair to say Grace in this context. The Jiu-Jitsu guys would put play, uh, kind of a pressure on everybody else. That was the pressure that they were not used to. Luther Leaf just putting the pressure like, shit, we're not, what, what, what do you do now? <laughs> yeah, so how, the, how the bully feels when you bully it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's how the bully feels when the bully guys feel when they are bullied. And they go like, and they just try to reframe the conversation. No, you can't take the pressure because you actually you're a little sensitive, not as strong as you think you say, mm -hmm. and you want people to believe. So Luther Leaf put the fucking pressure on it. So when the fight came, if you watch the, the videos on YouTube, the whole video. So what I'm saying is, is something that you guys, listeners, can can watch, and of course Matt and Rene can watch, and you watch, of course. Uh, Eugenio Tadeo says in one of his videos that, you know what, I knew that he was coming, Hansel Grace, was coming from some victories in UFC and also, you know, abroad. Mm. He was very, Battle cage, yeah, yeah, like very confident stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I, my strategy was I'm just going to let him just get tired. I'm just going to just hold myself as much as I can and let him attack and do his thing and to get him tired. And then at some point, I'm going to take over. That's exactly what he did. Just watch the video. The first minutes, Hans Gritz was the one taking care, really taking action on the fight, taking him down, putting him down, and to be on his guard and punch him, blah, blah, blah. Halfway into the fight, he guessed out. And that's exactly the strategy. All right? That's, that is okay. So now, all right. So now, so let's see what you can do now. Tie it. Because you just, guys, including you, Rene, all says, like, no, you know, it's, it's very important to train when you're tired because, you know, that's when it makes, you know, real difference. Yeah, absolutely. Right, et cetera. Yeah. And absolutely. So, yeah. So they believed that he could do something with tired and he could do shit. And then Janet uh, <laughs> was like, all right, that's the time. And let's see what you have right now. Yeah. See what you have when the gas is When you gas out. Yep. And then at that moment when people really could see that uh, Master Hansel Gracie, as I said, I adore the guy. I'm just 
narrating what I know and what uh, translating. Guess doubt. And Eugenio was taking over the fight that somebody turned out the lines. <laughs> All right. So now I want you guys to keep in mind this. Okay. So who turned out the lights? Right. Tune in next time to find out who turned out the lights. <laughs> so yeah, so like you, you don't know who who physically turned out the lights. My so the question is okay. So who are the organizers? This is Grace family. This is Hobson Gracie, Hans's father, and you have Sergio Malandro, which is a is a presenter, is a host, yeah, yeah. A very non comedian, kind uh, of comedian kind, kind of guy in Brazil. It's like a uh, jujitsu esque kind of a guy has always been. <laughs> yeah. So and he is. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> people don't like people don't like to hear the truth. You know? Yeah, he's a fucking esque. Has always been. You know, that's what it is. And then somebody turned out the light because they saw that uh, the fighter hands of Gracie, which let's be clear has nothing to do with what's going on outside the ring. He's fighting. He's a warrior. He's fighting Eugenio and whatever. Somebody turned out the lights. Who turned out the lights? Who's the organizer? Because Luther Livre guys, they have no knowledge of where the switch is, you know, where the light is supposed to be turned on and off. They have no knowledge. Only got the organizer. Also, it was happening while their guy was winning. I'm just going like, Ruta yeah. Livre guys, they have no knowledge of yeah. where, what is where the lights that turn this off. Only the organizers, uh, organizers have the knowledge where the, where they can switch something on and off. First off, and of course the cats, the, the kisser, Sergio Malandre, and the judicial guy was losing at the time, and there was a chance. And this is yes, it is an assumption that he would might have lost the fight. Because at that point he was not losing, but if but but you can see that his guest out, he's on the back, you know, just like you know, like jujitsu guys, like very sucking. I hate that when they just hold their head, it's just like yeah. just wait the guy to jump in the guard. Like, Fuck you, stand up, you know. You go to me to go on the ground, come and stand up. That's your word. That's my word, you know. But so then then the riot broke out right after that, right? Yeah, but th that's the thing. The riot, I was there. The riot broke out after they turned out the light. Not before. Not before. And so I told, I was talking to Rene, and I said, like, so I, I got upset with Murilo Bustamante because in the video he says, you know, and then uh, there was the, the fight broke out, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the audience, and the Luther Livre guys, you know, and then, and then they turned on the light. That's fucking, is a lie. The fight broke out after the bullshit of them turning out the light. And that's the fucking truth. If you're there and you watch the fucking video, you can see that. When they see the footage when you, on the, whatever you see on YouTube, if edited or not, when the, the shit happens in terms of the fight happening, this was after they turned out the light, well, not before. So when I saw Murillo saying this, I, I got upset because it, that's a lie. And for, I respect Murillo Bustamante. And of course, he's, he's from Carson Grace that I love. And I got upset because it is, because he's protecting jiu-jitsu. When by not protecting the truth, which is also you know it was twenty years ago. You don't always remember exactly. In, no, no. Yeah. In psychology, okay, I've been in psychology for fucking thirty years now. Mm. In psychology, it's known that every time you tell a story, you change, change it facts, a little bit. Right. right? That's right. You always yeah, change. Exactly. I got that, but. 
but in the big S B U T capital letters. But what you know if somebody s- turned down the lights first and then the fight happened, or the fight happened and somebody turned down the light. I know if High and Grace talked shit to me at Ash- Wells Fargo, even though I was 19 years old in 1990, before or after something happened, I still remember. But if I start to describe it, then something would be different. But I still remember what happened. Yeah. You understand? So they, you listen, guys. Just watch the video. The lights are turned out. Then the fight starts, and I was there. I was there in Tijuca Tennis Club, motherfucker. I'm 1997. I was there. They turned out the light first, and then of course Lutalivo was very, very annoyed, upset, angry at what had happened because we were fucking winning. They were winning. Uh, and they would probably win because Master Hansel Grace was gassed out at the time. There's nothing to do with better than at the time he was gassed out, and probably he is an assumption. Probably he would have won, uh, lost that fight. And then before it happened, they turned down the light. And then the shit happened, and it was not with the Luta Libre guys. It was part of the, the jiu-jitsu guys and the Luta Libre. The jiu-jitsu guys were all the security guys were jiu-jitsu guys, all hired by the jiu-jitsu. Everything, remember what I said before, everything is controlled by jiu-jitsu guys. This is a jiu-jitsu event. They always, they always, always organize the events because they had the name, they had the sponsor, and they can bring pe- money in. Everything is chosen by jiu-jitsu guys. So everything that happened, everybody, all the police officers, everything at the place was chosen by jiu-jitsu guys, not Luta Libre. And say, Luta Libre started a problem. No, 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 no. They start a problem with jiu-jitsu guys and find a way to get a problem because they were losing. I have so, a theory, though, of who turned out the light. Steven Seagal. <laughs> way to bring it back, Matt. <laughs> with his chi all the way across. Bro. Yeah, he pushed no, it with so, chi okay, power. So that was a, a really great history of that rivalry. And that was the last big rivalry. Um, but uh, it's great to have the Luta Livre perspective because most of what we hear in America is the, is the jiu-jitsu perspective. And you were there, so you can talk about it. You were right in the middle of this. And it just gives us a glimpse into that crazy history from – Zona Sul in the late 80s and early 90s. And uh, and also to give credit to, you know, Luta Livre is, a, is an art that has been around for 100 years and uh, and it, it, in, in it, it deserves the respect too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, thank you very much, Jilson, for that. Yeah, uh, I yeah, really appreciate some, it. Some, something, something that I, I talked to, to the Luta Livre guys, you know, talked to, to Master Jean Tadio, Ogu Duarte. I have my own issues personal things that I'm not going to share here with Uguduat, so that's another time for another time. I can share out of, not, not online, I can show, share with you personally. And uh, the whole thing is like, why first people don't raise, keep raising the, 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 the flag, you know, the banner, mm-hmm. you know, when they are doing well? And they do in Japan, like Cromado. Cromado is from Pequeno. Yeah. Uh, Picano is from Cormado yeah, yeah. school. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it's like, and I believe that Luta Libre could be so much bigger. The Luta Libre name, now talk about 
freestyle wrestling or wrestling or catch wrestling. No, no. I talk. No, you just like choose a fucking name, honor this, and have your own way. And Luta Livre could be so much like Babalu. Yeah. Babalu is Luta Livre. Has always been fucking Luta Not Livre. Not anymore though. Not anymore. Yeah. In the beginning of his career, yeah, he was. He Absolutely. is Luta Livre. Absolutely. You understand? So, so was um, so was um, the guy who invented the uh, Bravo joke. Um, uh, who switched over to Brazilian but he was a master, a uh, uh, great, great, great fighter. Shoot, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Milton, Milton Vieira. Milton Vieira. Vieira is also originally a, a Luta Libre guy yeah. and very, very known as the best Nogi guy in Brazil in the 90s. And uh, and then, but he switched over to Jiu-Jitsu because I think like it comes down to organization and money. Comes to comes yeah. down to, very well put, comes down to, as I said before, in the 80s, especially in the 80s, there was, there was no leadership in, in, yeah. in Luta Livre, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, it's like everybody has a, a spot here. So you have uh, uh, Carlos Brunosilla in, in, in the 80s with his father and with Boquerão. We have Bojão Ricardo in, uh, with Bodocan. Then you have uh, Roberto Leitão. They are Luta Livre. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. They kind of are training with each other from time to time, but they're not really together. No, you're absolutely you know? right. You're absolutely right. I think, I think that one of the successes of... Any camp in modern MMA or the great success of the Gracies was due to organization, and uh, and that that's the truth. But um, I think we're gonna have to wrap it up here, Jilson. Thank you so much, yes, and uh, it was really fascinating. And hopefully we can um, we we can this adds to the discourse, and probably we're gonna get a whole lot of hate mail too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know we have to uh, give per- different perspectives on, and you know in America we're. Very familiar with the jiu-jitsu perspective, but it's nice to hear the other side, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. like, listen, listen. Yeah. Uh, no, but thank you. I think well, I, yeah, yeah, so I, we are wrapping up. Yeah. So I just want to say this. My last words are this. Uh, hate mail, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you, you have the right to your opinion. I have my opinion. Only that I lived it, and you just read about it. You just watch a fucking YouTube video. So I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I really don't because I don't have to. Because yeah. The first off, I lived it. You don't. So like you Google shit that I lived through. So like fuck you. I don't. I don't. <laughs> give, I don't really. I don't have to care about you at all. And also it's like and uh, I haven't told you guys. Let me just say this before we finish. It's a very cool, very cool, very cool. There was a guy uh, Tadashi Tadashi Takeshi, the karate guy, one of the karate masters in the late seventies and, and early twenty uh, early uh, late. 70s and early 80s, he got uh, he started a school in in Rio de Janeiro, and also later on he, in São Paulo as well, and like 500 meters, like 0.3 miles away from the Gracie School, and there is uh, rumors that uh, Holes and Coxon went to his school to challenge him because I said before Gracie did this all the time, and talk about early 80s, right? And if, uh, like myself, you were in the in the, the karate community in the eighties, going to nineties, you knew that jujitsu guys, no, never happened. Especially go to Fox News, BJJ, <laughs> never happened. But the karate guys, no, they happened. The holes and Carson went to his school, was close to to and to challenge. Challenge guys, not because they, they're not invading. Just you know what? I like to show that my art is better than yours. Yeah. I want to be in the top of the food chain. Yeah. And that's all. Yeah. That's fine. I understand that. And then uh, Tadashi Takeshi Sensei locked the door and said, "Yes, but I will own my art to death. So we're gonna fight to death." 
and they were like, <laughs> the first thought to any one of us would be like, first off, I haven't come here to die. <laughs> Second, I haven't come to here to kill anyone. I don't go to fucking jail. And they just like, you know what? Great. <laughs> Let's do it another day. And they and they, they left. <laughs> Karate guys in the 80s, they knew about the story. But the Grace will deny that ever happened. If you go to Fox News BJJ, they're going to say, no, never happened. No, it fucking happened. But only is not shared because, you know, we will tarnish, you know. The, the the family name <laughs> that they they yellow out you know the chicken out and they have left you know especially people that are love like Jose and Carson Grace but it did happen but for my my karate family I just want to say that yes they chickened out <laughs> <laughs> okay as much as, as Renee's give like evil eyes right now no, no. personally you just chickened out no, Dude, no they no, chickened no. out no, but, I'm not but, saying uh, it didn't but, happen anyway, okay. but the context the context yeah, right. You're not here to die. You're here just yeah. to prove your fight, right? Yeah. So, so that was the context. So I understand All right. that. All right. All right. Thank I'll you very much. Now. No, no, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank <you. laughs> Thanks, guys.